Welcome back to Chainsaw Matinee. Everybody take your seats. We have such sights to show you. I'm Kai. I'm Marty, and my pronouns are they slash them. Ayy. Boo. Bad joke. Oh. <laughs> uh, I'm Hannah, and I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember the line. A monster bisexual? I'm a, a terrible, I'm a bad person because I'm a bisexual. Whatever that person's intro was at the group therapy that's what i am (laughs) and my name is logan ashley i logan or ash is fine and i guess i am the informal trans horror historian here to ruin everybody's day (laughs) yes i'm i'm excited that you're on the podcast we have been yes welcome we've been like mutuals on twitter for a while and we have (laughs) yeah we are big fans of your work yeah (laughs) your your uh like videos detailing trans horror have like been really helpful in like finding other like sources of of like film and and things and discussion and it's it's really great to like have like an actual resource that we can go to for that kind of thing and i appreciate you a lot yeah thank you i i appreciate the love yeah the trans horror community is small but mighty yes <laughs> and very beleaguered <laughs> yeah, <it's> yeah. <laughs> so today we are here to talk about they slash them it's kind of funny that they named it because they do not slash them <laughs> at all in the movie. <laughs> there is very they, little slashing in this movie. Yeah. They make the active choice yeah. to not slash anybody. Yeah. Even though they should have. <laughs> the- yeah, and this came out in uh, 2021, I believe. Like, I found out it just came out, like, two days, either before or after Nope came out. And, like... Oh. Woof. Wait, Nope came out in 2021? 20, it was uh, 2022. 2022. 2022. 2022. Sorry, this Wait, also came out in 2022. 2022. This movie sent me back in time. Yeah, it sent me back uh, to like 2010. It, yeah, it sent me back uh, to... um, I don't know. It's, it sent me back to the 40s. The age of rage. Who knows? I... W- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so i'll just ask straight up what what is everybody's overall thoughts on they slash them no slash thanks <laughs> it's bad um this watching this for the podcast was my fourth time watching it and it has not gotten any less funny oh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's good to hear, because it did genuinely make me laugh. Like, I think that there are a few yeah. scenes that are, like, very funny unintentionally. It, it is an episode of Glee. Guess, <laughs> yeah, like, I guess I just overall, like, I'm not even mad. I'm just disappointed. It's a bad episode of Glee where Kevin Bacon 
uh, says a bunch of homophobic slurs, and then... Not even that. He acts like... <laughs> he acts like too I nice. Kinda... And then, like, undercuts Yeah, like, it. his opening yeah. monologue threw me off so hard, and then, like, it never is elaborated on throughout the film, because, like, I feel like it's supposed to catch you off guard of, like, oh, this isn't what I expected, but then it is exactly what you expect immediately after that, so, like, what yeah. was the point? Hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's also, like, thrown into this movie that goes nowhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely felt like there were studio notes, and, like... Or something. I don't know. Like, this this is, like, just so tonally jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of whiplash that we kept getting. I do. I, I tend to assume best intent. And I'm willing to be schooled. But it feels like it was made earnestly. Like, they were trying to do a thing. And I actually, I loved the cast of this film. I want to see all of these performers go on to do other things. Like, every person individually is doing the best with what they're given. Oh, yeah. And the cast yeah, was great. I can and, respect like, that. Kevin Bacon <laughs> killed it. He knocked it out of the park. Um, but yeah, just the writing was, was lacking. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, overall, this was just, this film felt very sanitized and very safe. In, like, a way that bored me. Because I I think that they felt afraid to offend people. And in doing so, they completely missed the point of what a horror movie is, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, first of all, like, there's hardly any, like, actual horror element. There's not- it's supposed to be a slasher. It was marketed as a slasher film. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't, they slash one person in the beginning and then they wait another, like, hour to do the rest of it. Yeah, like, there's really not, like, it's much more of a social drama. Mm -hmm. And, like, some of the stuff that goes on at the camp is scary, but, like, not for the reason, not, like, slasher movie scary, it's just, Mm -hmm. like, real life scary. (laughs) I, I was watching before we started and I think the only genuinely good scene in this movie is the therapy scene with Kevin Bacon's like fiction wife and mm-hmm. uh, Jordan because I'm like okay this is the only scene where like these kids actually feel like there's like a real world threat being mm-hmm. kind of like over them and then I'm like why don't I ever remember the scene and the reason was because the immediate next scene is the musical number and that mm-hmm. always yeah just no it's so <laughs> It's, it's so bad so it wipes my brain every jarring. time. I like it, I have a Oh gosh. Go ahead. Go Let ahead. Let loose your fury. <laughs> Hell hath no What's that? Bob's burgers like Hell hath no fury like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this this movie is like a train wreck in that everything is smashed together and your neck hurts by the end of it. <laughs> yeah, I have a pink poster on my wall and I almost tore it down during that scene. I swear oh, to God. God. Um, speaking of it's pink, what... did you guys hear that somebody threw their mother's ashes at her at her concert? I was going to say either ashes or somebody also handed her like a wheel of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, that... 
That can make for a great mix-up backstage when she's reaching for a snack. <laughs> yeah, someone was telling us that story today at work, mm-hmm. and Marty and I literally made eye contact and burst out laughing. Yeah, we were, we were, we were like, just... this is for they slash them. We're yeah. gonna throw my mother's ashes at you because she died watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's... Well, and I guess one thing... Oh, go oh, ahead. No, you go ahead. I guess one thing, and this could be something we ask later, is, like, who is this for is something I keep coming back to. Like, what what is the intended target audience, and what effect does this movie want to have on them? Because I feel like some of the absurdity could be explained if it's trying to, like, explain a concept to someone who may not be within the community, but then why... What, but, who do they think is going to watch this movie if not the community? Yeah. So I don't... Or is it a young person trying to figure it out and they're, like, getting into it through the slide? I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. So my my thing that I keep going back to is, like, this feels like a movie that would have been pitched on Tumblr in, like, 2012. Oh, my God. Where people God. were always, like, you know, like, what if they made a show about gay people being roommates and nothing bad ever happened to them and they just lived their lives... And it was great because like, what if one of them was pansexual and the other one was ace, <laughs> and the pansexual and then, was really shy, and the ace person was guys, really outgoing? And like, why do I have a GoFundMe? You gotta get in. On. <laughs> and like, I do love, you know, I love the culture of Tumblr. I think that a lot of it was this was earnestly like young queer people seeking representation, Mm -hmm. but also not understanding that like conflict is a necessary part of stories. And there was Mm -hmm. just this attitude of like, we can't ever have anything bad happen to gay characters in a gay story because of, you know, because of a lot of overused tropes, like bury your gays and all this. But, Mm -hmm. but I feel like in not doing that though, you kind of uh, like, other us in another way yeah it's like the just stories need conflict Mm -hmm. at least to me i prefer to watch a story with conflict especially if it's a horror movie um so i want to save my rant for the end so yeah 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 i would like to get into the plot a little bit yes let's break down so all of us can just contribute bits and pieces as we go along and Mm -hmm. Let's piece this movie together. We do get one opening kill, which I did think was actually kind of like a nice, it was just a nice, suspenseful, fun horror movie scene. I liked the kill. I liked, um, do we even ever find out who that random woman was who got killed? Yes. Yeah, that um, was the so person who, um, that was the, the counselor that Angie was, was replacing. There. And then, oh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, this woman is driving like on a on a lonely road in the woods, and the gets only road by a that mass... she has ever known, <laughs> and gets <laughs> killed by a mass killer. So the part that got me is like when she hears all these noises, she's looking around like someone here, and she gets back in her car, and then like she puts it in reverse to back up, and the brake lights come on, and then you see the killer like in the brake lights, and I was like, that's that's actually pretty cool. So opening kill, it's fine. And then we cut to camp. We are introduced to our cast of characters who are all... Who are all really, like, they're trying to be progressive, but they all feel like stereotypes. A lot of them Progressive to the point of, like, parody, it feels like. No, like, like, okay, so 
this is my thing. If if sleepaway camp was so transphobic that it somehow circled back into being progressive in the way that they pick like depict Angela, this movie is like trying to be so progressive that it like regresses into like making these people like total stereotypes and and horrible representation it's kind of weird yeah it's like you it's like they're checking all the boxes like we've got the butch yep we've got the repressed femme yep we got the repressed jock we have the very flamboyant guy who says yes queen every five minutes um yes gary brazilian guy who i think is cg (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I could not oh figure God. out what his accent was supposed to be. Um, yeah, we've we've of course got Jordan, who is our non-binary character, um, and we we also who have has main character Alexandra, syndrome out the wazoo. Um, and then we have Kevin yep. Bacon. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Bacon is who the... I don't even know if he, they gave him a name. I just been calling him Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Me too, and I'm sorry it's to Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. But, I believe his name is Owen, but for for the okay. subject of this podcast, he will be Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Um, so he's like the counselor of this, uh, basically is a gay conversion therapy camp. Even mm-hmm. though he gives them a spiel when they all pull up in the bus, he's like, I'm not here to be a bigot, and I'm not going to preach to you about the Bible. I just want you to discover who you are. And like he really does come off as like really welcoming and it's like kind of catches you off guard um which then this is later like um, almost immediately contradicted so Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't understand well it's to lure you into a sense of false security but i don't think any of these characters genuinely fell for that yeah no everyone's like this is weird safe and why is he being nice to us (laughs) yeah Well, and it does the thing where it breaks the horror movie logic of he's trying to unsettle the campers because when it's, like, immediately course-corrected of, oh, he is a bigot, then it's like, oh, no, you tricked the audience. You weren't doing a thing for the story. You were just doing a thing to get a desired effect that you really have no intention of seeing through to its conclusion. Okay, fine. Cool. You tricked me. Boo. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we meet him, there's some other camp counselors, there's his wife, mm-hmm. who is the therapist, and um, the activities director, who is a former student of the camp, and also the um, the athletics director, who is another former student of the camp. And those two are engaged. And um, there's another counselor who... Molly? Is that her name? Is that the nurse? Yeah, th- yeah. she's like the nurse, and so she... Um... They they confiscate like pills and and cell phones. Yeah, so that you can't contact anybody. I don't or... know why they take the pills. Like that is super dangerous. Like if you are on a medication, like like depression medication or something, and you stop cold turkey, like that is just bad for your health. Well, I mean, obviously these people aren't going to believe that pills actually well, help you. Yeah, but it's just yeah, it just sucks. Mm-hmm. Um. So they send off all the campers. They try to split them into male and female to send them off to their cabins. Yep. But Jordan steps in and is like, actually, I'm a they, them, and I, you know, I don't identify with male or female, so what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, basically Kevin, Kevin Bacon, Bacon just, like, okay. assigns them up. Their, 
Kevin Bacon's Assigns like, well, their gender. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're gonna go with the boys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, which is strange to me because if they have their like they they like very obviously have like their birth gender on file and um they like make make it a pointed fact to point it out in that therapy scene. So I don't understand why uh they put them in the boys' cabin instead of the girls' cabin because um like no you were born this way therefore you have to go like it didn't make any sense to me why they would put them in the in the boys cabin but whatever i uh, i have i have problems with that that i will talk about later after we get into more of it <laughs> yeah i don't know it, like not very much yeah no. if you're if sense. you're being a homophobic it's- camp counselor i feel like you should probably uh do do the homophobia correct <laughs> I don't know. And, and don't let's not forget about um old man Smithers who lives. Oh out yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I fucking loved old man Smithers. <laughs> he was like He's so barely he makes a character. No sense. Yeah, no. Uh, he shows up twice, but I just him. love him. I yeah. He's he a like... rich, full character with horrible <laughs> things that he does and horrible things that he owns. It is so funny um, to me that he he's living in this shack and has like a sex doll in his shack with a million porcelain clowns or whatever. I don't remember. It was like yeah, ventriloquist dummies. Yeah, they make dummies. him such That's a weird was. like character with a lot of quirks, and then for why? For yeah. why? For again, I feel like a lot of the things that don't make sense are. The writers want to trick you. I I feel like they just and like put like, this in there it. to be like, ew, he's creepy. Let's kill him. Yeah. Um. We also are introduced to a there's a camp dog. Um. So I'm just gonna go ahead and give a trigger warning. Yes, the dog does die. Mm-hmm. Um. So mm-hmm. trigger warning for animal abuse. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give a counter trigger warning. The dog pretending to be dead is maybe the cutest <laughs> thing I've ever yeah. seen in film. <laughs> Yeah, it is very cute. Now you don't see it happen, but like it, it happens. Yes, there is there is no blood. It is a gunshot and it cuts to the dog sleeping in the grass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a very cute dog. It's like a hound. Oh, he's a, yeah. such a good boy. Yes. Like there's a scene where he's puppy. like Well, and they're like, look at him, he's in such pain, and I'm just looking at a dog walking, having his best day ever. He's, like, he's like got his mouth open. He looks fine. His tongue out. He's just like having a good time. Like, he's very sick. Look at him. (laughs) So we do get our first kind of group session where all the campers share. Basically, it's like, here's my name and this is my deal. So we meet some of the different campers and some of them have chosen to be there because they are ashamed of their identities. Some of them were forced to be there by their parents. Um, Jordan made a deal with their family that if they go and spend a week at this camp, then their parents will allow them to emancipate themselves and become independent. Mm-hmm. And here, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to hit my buzzer. How old do we think Theo Germain is? I think there, this person is 25. Yeah, I would say 25. I'd say 20. They are 31 years old. Oh my god. Jesus oh, Christ. And the non-binary I mean, baby face strikes again. Oh, yeah. See, I mean this in the nicest way possible. They look 30. It is incredibly funny to me. They look older than <laughs> a teenager. Yeah, like 17 at the oldest mm-hmm. they, that character has to be. See, and that is a 30-year-old adult. 
who mm-hmm. ha- pays taxes. Yeah. I, I think that. they tricked me because all the other uh, teen campers also looked 30 or 40. Yeah. Like yeah. that jock is definitely pushing 40. Well, I feel like he's like, he he feels like he would fit right in with like the Riverdale crew. So yeah. <laughs> Alex is actually the youngest one. She's 22. I think everybody oh. else late 20s. Yeah. Dang. Dang. <laughs> this was like a de-yossified version of the But I'm a Cheerleader <laughs> introduction scene. Oh, yeah. Where, like, R- Ralph Macchio stands up and he's like, Hello, third tackle, homosexual, nice to meet ya. Um, and then it turned into, like, one of those really sad PSAs where everyone's crying and it's sad. And you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Being gay is pretty hard, I guess. They're like, I just want to be normal. And it's I mean- like... Um, okay. I'm bisexual, so I'm a freak and I hate it. (laughs) I I want that on a shirt. (laughs) In a different movie, like, I would have felt that a lot more. Because, like, I I have had that exact conversation Mm -hmm. of being like, but I don't want to be trans. But the way this, just everything about this, the way this movie handles it is wrong. Yeah. It's just too earnest to be earnest, if that makes sense. Like, when you make um, someone's, like, queer identity all they are as a human being and a character, it's hard to see them as a person, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh I don't remember names in this movie. I remember, like, the their trauma. Like, yeah. that's it. Every time they keep cutting back to the flamboyant guy and he's like musicals broadway like <laughs> every single I time i love steven sondheim which like yes I also i was like oh sorry go ahead sorry go ahead oh. i was uh, the sondheim bit especially i was like why listen this is me showing off my musical theater idiocy i was like what about th- this person makes them look like a sondheim fan are they wearing a cravat are they incredibly pretentious no, they want to see Moulin Rouge and party. God bless. Yeah, I mean, uh, to be fair, like, we did go to a university that is known for the theater program. We did know a lot of people like this, mm-hmm. but also, it just A majority doesn't... of them were extremely white. Yeah, I was like, it just doesn't well, feel and like I... this movie is doing it in good faith. I'm yeah. like, yes, I know people like this exist, but, like, I don't think this movie is... is doing it in good faith i think they just thought it would be funny and easier to make a stereotype and that's not to say that a a black person like this would not exist but it just feels very stereotypey it is and i kept waiting for the other shoe to drop because like i work on broadway i work with people who are in the theater industry and love to party and go to moulin rouge and do these things but they're also like human beings who are have personalities and their own struggles they go with but really like the this character is just a stereotype. Like they're they're not good at sports. They make funny quips, and they randomly are suddenly paired off with the jock who we have seen them, him interact with once. Yeah, and it's just there's nothing of depth to this character, and it's such a disappointing thing. Like it's literally just to like depower them. Like there's never really an empowering moment with this character. Yeah, no, <laughs> they're just the- a joke he's kind of just like cast off to the side and like doesn't really do anything within the story at all 
which happens to a lot of characters. Yeah. Can we talk about Alex? Yes. Oh, I Alex. fucking oh, loved Alex. Alex. And, like, the, the story, she totally got, like, ditched halfway through the movie, basically. Yeah. Like, you get this scene, so she's um, a trans woman. She doesn't you tell anyone that. Yeah, um. and so you get a scene where one of the counselors walks in on her in the shower when she's, like, snuck off to shower alone. And then, like, she gets called out in front of everyone, which sucks. And Kevin Bacon's like, you're a liar and I don't like that. And, like, you have to go to the boys' cabin because you can't fight biology. And he gives, like, the stupid transphobic spiel. But also, and, which, you know, of course just makes me laugh because I'm like, bro, like, you wouldn't even have known she was trans if you hadn't been, like, trying to look at her junk. So Yeah. But it's it's awful, it's transphobic, and, like, but then, like, you know, you see her go through this hardship of, like, being outed in front of everyone and othered, and, like, there's a really nice bonding moment with her and Jordan as, the, like, the two trans people supporting each other, and then the movie just kind of drops this storyline mm-hmm. and, like, moves on. And I'm like, I kind of want to see more of her. Like, I want to see more of that friendship. Like, mm-hmm. that was really interesting. Yeah, and they kind of give her struggle to Jordan. Like, Jordan kind of does the savior thing where, like, they're the one who proposes, like, oh, they're in a dress. Shows you, Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah. Damn. And, like, there's, like, empowering music playing in the background. And it's like, um... Uh, okay but then like you said she gets no more screen time her story is effectively over except for a few like platitudes some very like bad stereotypy lines from her at the very end where they're asking her to uh take campers out of camp and she's like they're like asking if she can like make this trek and she's like i'm a black trans woman i could do it in heels and it's like that it sounds exactly like how um, people would characterize uh, female cartoon characters in the 80s. Um, it's horrible, and yeah. I hate it. Yep. <laughs> it, it is fascinating the way she almost has a character, and then you watch it get sucked into the black hole of mm-hmm. having Jordan's black best friend, yeah. who... She is constantly supporting Jordan. I don't think Jordan ever supports her. Like, Jordan never finds out about her family, never finds out anything about her, and just, like, lays there and is sad and has to be sung to to feel better. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. Jordan, like, baby, you are not the only one here struggling. Like, Alex is... Alex, true protagonist cut. I need that film, please. Jordan, you are a 30-year-old Well, and especially her backstory. (laughs) Yeah, her backstory is really interesting too because like she's there because her parents threatened to separate her from her her little brother who like is they like have this very special bond and they like rely on each other and she's 18 so she could technically leave but she refuses to leave behind her brother and i think that that story is incredibly sweet it shows her battle to get back her antidepressants and well it's actually just yeah it was her estradiol oh it's her estrogen got it got it got it right but yeah, and it's, 
it's such a shame. And I loved her introduction, too, because, like, she had the I like girls a lot moment in the group therapy where she's like, I like women, and I don't think that's going to change, so let's kick it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like, when they introduced her, I was like, oh, I really like her from the get-go, and then they just throw her away, yeah. just like a bunch of other stuff in this movie. Yeah, so we have that subplot going. We have, like, um, a lot of the, we have the two, um, Veronica and Kim. Mm -hmm. So Veronica's, like, the bisexual butch, and Kim is, like, comes from a very small town and is, like, very repressed and ashamed of her sexuality because she doesn't want to be different. And you have, over the movie, those two bond and do end up together. Um, and there's uh, some gratuitous cunnilingus, which is pretty it, pretty great, in my opinion, but I wish it was it, in any other also, movie. But the thing is, also, I was kind of laughing because I was like, wait, like, you want me to believe that this super repressed woman, who has obviously probably never had sex with another woman before, and, like, she's making out, like, this good? Like, I'm like, I don't buy it. It would be a lot more awkward. Well, mouths are unisex, but I understand. <laughs> but, like, I mean, I get well, it. Like, it's a movie. The sex has to, like, look pretty. But I'm like, come on. Like, she wouldn't be this good. But it good. doesn't, though. Because, like, if it's really about their story and them bonding and coming together, they should be allowed that awkwardness instead of mm-hmm. having to, like, put forth this face of, like, gratuitousness that is not for them. It is for an audience expectation of these summer camp kind of movies. Same with the other sex scene. Like, there's just so many... Oh, the other... It, it just felt performative. <laughs> oh, the other sex the scene. Other which, sex like, there's a whole scene. different set of um, problems with that one, too. Mm. Um, but this one also just... It felt... Like, it's... Just... It didn't feel like they were allowed to be young and silly and have those moments of vulnerability. Like, it was so performative sexually. Yeah. They were like... This is the O phase. This is where you pan down to the boobies. This is when you pan down. And I was just like, this is not for them. This is, this is checking a box. And like, also the weird ass reveal that like, so when we first meet Veronica, we just think she's like a regular camper. And then at the very end, there's just like this weird ass reveal that she's actually writing, like she's doing her thesis on gay conversion camps or something. And she's like, actually just, a student who's like there to study the camp and i'm like this makes no sense for her character nothing in the way she acts that makes me wonder like how old she is because the rest of these like kids are supposed to be in high school how old is she if she's writing a fucking thesis i don't know It, it was or maybe it's just like a class or a paper or something i don't know it was weird you know what i think it was what? Uh, you know how Fast Times at Ridgemont High um, is based off of, like, a situation where, like, a college or even, I think it was actually a reporter, went to high school and wrote down everything they did and then published it. And then Wet Hot American Summer Season 1 did the exact same thing with Elizabeth Banks. And I wonder if this is just riffing off of that. I guess, hmm. but it was so pointless. It's, like, brought up once and then it doesn't really affect the characters at all. Yeah, she's, like, she's, like... Um, I'm writing a paper on how horrible it is to be in a conversion camp. It's like, you don't need to put yourself in that situation to understand how bad it is. But also, like, just nothing in the way she acts prior to that, like, indicates that that would... Like, it just doesn't make sense. And so that really annoyed me. 
Um, okay, I feel like we can't go any longer without talking about the pink scene. But first, <laughs> we do need to talk about the therapy scene. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, that was really good. It was really that literally it like, really emotionally affected me. Yeah, that's that's like the mm-hmm. one piece of like really good like filmmaking in that in that movie. Because you have Jordan. I loved. To... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you you go. You're okay, good. so you have Jordan going to sit down with the camp therapist, and like basically just get their entire identity picked apart. And the therapist is like, "Oh, like you just." chose this because you want to be special and that's why you're non-binary and like you don't have an identity so you just want something to cling to and like it that is painful like I think almost every non-binary person has been told that at some point and like it does really suck and like having sat through shitty therapy sessions where I have had my identity picked apart like yeah that really hurts and you can mm-hmm. see how much it affects jordan and that was a really powerful scene the the thing that really gets me is when she tells them that they're they're just like a like a dyke and like she just kind of says it with a little bit of a smile yeah and like that i i have not felt rage in a movie in a very long time and at that point i wanted to get up and smash the tv <laughs> yeah i definitely would have killed the freaking therapist mm-hmm. but i like like i so th- the moment that they introduced jordan into the story i like kind of clung to them as like my representation and i shouldn't have done that but <laughs> when when you're oh, a no. non-binary person who a non-binary when you're a non-binary <laughs> um and uh your only point of reference for representation is usually robots or aliens or monsters. Um, uh, this is kind of important. And, uh, you know, I, I was like having a laser eye vision moment where I'm self-recognizing through the other. And, um, yeah. So like everything that was happening in this movie was like filling me with rage because it felt like it was directed at me as well. And that's part of the reason why I hated the ending so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The next scene following is like if you followed up a funeral with uh, going to a Blink-182 concert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just throwing so, that out there. Uh, yeah. I mean, birthday. Listen, they would have wanted <laughs> him to be there. so we get jordan like really upset afterwards and kind of talking to alex about it and like questioning their identity like what if i am just seeking attention like what if the therapist is right and then alex just like is first of all just at first just giving like genuine words of reassurance and then out of nowhere she just starts singing she starts singing the song Perfect by Pink. Mm-hmm. And then we get a full-on musical number. And then Veronica does the rap breakdown. <laughs> and then the whole, like, just all the characters start singing and dancing. And, like, it's just... It's the weirdest tonal whiplash I've 
scene in a movie in a it, very it long went time. from like a generally uh, like a genuinely good scene that would go in a great horror movie about queer people to um an episode of glee <laughs> yeah pretty much it really was glee i was like waiting the for shots were Mr. like similar show up it, uh, it wasn't the scene had me laughing so hard i was in stitches yeah <laughs> I was like, literally, okay, watching this movie, I was like, so fucking angry, and then, like, I, I, like, literal confusion about what the hell was going on. I thought, I thought somehow the, the universe changed the movie on me. <laughs> like, yeah. I just want to know how, I wish I was in the room when this was pitched. And how and everyone else right. reacted. Like, if they were like, oh my god, you're right, this is exactly the movie we need in The Lord 2022. Or if there was just, like, silence of, like, okay. Yeah. They are perfect. I just, Let's like, go. every decision made in this movie, I'm just like, I wonder what led to that. Let's have um, some of the most traumatizing things spewed at queer people ever uh, thrown into this movie, and then we can... We can relieve the tension by putting in one of the most overused corporate 2010s pop songs ever. How it do you feel about that? would have been better if they had used, like, Firework. No, <laughs> yeah. no, I was going to say they should have used Fight Song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have taken YMCA. I, well, <laughs> YMCA would have oh been God. a much better choice. Because it's actually, if like, they had sung made by gay people. Like, about gayness. Yes. So my my favorite. It's sung something scene, from Moulin Rouge that would have brought it back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite part of the scene is when like the camera pans, it cuts to an exterior shot of the cabin, <laughs> yes. and, then and you Kevin just Bacon see is Kevin just Bacon like watching glaring them at dance. them. Live slug reaction. <laughs> like oh my god, it's me. <laughs> Live oh. slug reaction. Kevin um, Bacon homophobically staring at a cabin is my favorite shot of 2020. It's <laughs> so good. It's. Good. It's like, oh wow, he doesn't like gay people. Who would have fucking guessed? Like, because I was staring at my laptop the same way that he was staring at them. Like, as that scene was happening, <laughs> I, we need, we Marty, need, like, Kyla, I don't know Kevin if you Bacon, use... and then the text of like not too fond of gay people over it. <laughs> the homophobic dog uh-huh. um, reaction. But, um, Kyla Marty, I don't know if you still use Snapchat, but I did break it out because I have mostly stopped using it to film myself while I was watching that scene <laughs> to make sure that I was grounded in reality and it was happening. I have not um, used Snapchat in a very long time. Yeah, I don't think I've touched mine in, like, five years. Well, break it open because you got my live slug reaction <laughs> okay. to this shit. Um, I will say for Pink... I grew up listening to it because my mom is a giant fan of Pink. The only I feel group, like everyone's like, mom is a giant fan of Pink. Seriously, um, <laughs> I love Pink. I do too. This I do too. Fault. Yeah, um, but, al- the- but also, does your mom like Pink? Because I feel like your mom probably also likes Pink. Oh. Listen, Janet Boyens has taste. <laughs> <laughs> um. The only demographic of people I know who love pink more than moms are older gay men. Yeah. So we we talked about it a little bit earlier. I will go off on a brief side tangent. Um, so the director and writer of this is John Logan. And you guys were kind of talking about how like this might have been a film made by like younger people. 
Um, he is 61 years old. <laughs> that makes more sense to me than anything else. He is also... He's behind by a decade. <laughs> he is also the winner of a Tony Award in 2010 for the best play and was nominated twice for best original screenplay for Gladiator and The Aviator. And mm. Hugo. Oh my God. So three times. Wow. Oh. So this is a triple Academy Award nominee. Yeah, the... Uh, so. the- the politics of this does feel like it's coming from a um, a cis gay man who feels the best thing to do is to be better than everyone else because, you know, that's the only way you're going to be I... able to to overcome homophobia and transphobia is to not let it get to you. It's the centrism only known by men born in the 60s. <laughs> yep. Who have money. They're like, hey, not my problem. Yeah, which is very funny um, to me because um, he lived through the AIDS crisis. Yep. So, <laughs> I mean, to be yep. fair, I am going to play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, I, I do wonder how much of this was like him and how much was studio notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just hard to say. And so, I'm again. I mean, again, I'm not willing to like put it past a a mid-60s, like, boomer cis mm-hmm. gay man, but also, like, this also does feel like a movie that's just full of, like, the studio with, like, like it just mm-hmm. feels like one of those kinds of movies. Yeah. And I will say I also feel that way because um, a lot of the the scenes just kind of, like, they don't flow into each other. There's no, like, interconnectivity. And I feel like a lot of that would probably have to do with the way the studio would probably be like, well, we don't like where this is going, so uh, you should try doing something else. And so they just kind of have to, like, totally drop a plot line, but they don't want to lose a whole scene. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I will I will agree it kind of feels that way as well, but it, it mostly I feel like it's a mix of a guy who doesn't, totally understand the culture of like queer youth today and whatever the fuck is going on with corporate uh movie makers yeah (laughs) i am i don't know so let's talk about the other sex scene which was also well actually there's three sex scenes and (sighs) all of them are very weird Mm -hmm. I, i feel like we need to touch on gabriel a little bit first yeah because he is like He's introduced at the beginning as a camper. Um, he is uh, basically shown to be like an effeminate uh, gay kid. Um, he's got long hair. Um, they do quite a few like zoom ins on him, and like they like make him bat his eyelashes and like walk femininely. Yeah, I was very confused by him the whole time. I was just like, "What is this guy's deal?" Yeah, um, he's just very quiet, and uh, and then he kind of uh, starts hitting on the jock. Yeah. And um, they, like, start kissing at the lake, and then um, he's, like, they're, like, they're, like, fixing to ha- have sex, and he goes, no, not here. <laughs> and it's very... Yeah, and so Let's they go, go to, to the murder cabin. They go to the which work again, shed. I feel like the scene was ripped straight out of Wet Hot American Summer, and but without like the fun golden light and Bradley Cooper. They have uh, 
no lube, horrible grunting sex. Um, and it, it looks very bad. <laughs> like it looks like it hurts. Yeah, these do crack me yeah. up because I'm like they always look so painful. And like someone pointed out to me once. I think, like, the first time I watched Brokeback Mountain, um, someone was just like, yeah, if you think about it, those guys have just been eating beans for, like, (laughs) weeks, and then they just go straight for the ass, no prep, like, that's not, that's not great, guys. Yeah, you guys were just in the lake with, uh, whatever the fuck is in that water, and you're just gonna, like, go ahead and, and do it, no lube, like, in this nasty cabin. Okay. Okay, also, this is just me. That Standing angle does to... not seem scientifically possible. I know it is. I cannot fathom that ever working. Yeah, no. Um, but yeah, no. And I did see some because I actually went on Tumblr looking up what people thought of this movie, and it is pretty much exactly what Kyla described of everyone going like, "Finally, someone <laughs> had the courage, the gall." to do this um but i did see someone also point out like the sex scenes are not equal in terms of how they are portrayed like mm-hmm. they're this one is a lot rougher it's in the dark it's less kind of gratuitous in that way but it's also more gratuitous in a different way and it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint what the fuck is going on i feel on like they the somehow stereotyped sex gay sex it's like they've 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 made the lesbians be more like light and gentle and you know doing it in the sunshine and it's a nice day and then they have like the two guys grunting it out in the in the work shed <laughs> the two genders one again yeah. the yep. two genders work shed and dock yep. um, yeah. grunting it out and 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 sweet angel tiny moans i don't know (laughs) for a movie that's like supposed to be all about how gender roles are not cool um they do a lot of uh, of assigning gender roles here there's Mm -hmm. there's a fascinating lack of insight into gender (laughs) yeah yeah oh so before we get to the reveal about gabriel i forgot to talk about the um the shooting scene which i also think we need to talk about so (laughs) yeah so speaking of gender roles yeah um, they take all the all the quote-unquote men to go shooting um and then all the women have to stay and and make them blueberry pies um which is dumb shit but okay i mean that's (laughs) just how these camps are they're like you know you have to be domestic so and you have to be a murderer yeah, and, Kevin and kill people. Yeah, Kevin Bacon weird ass speech about like men, real men kill, and like real men, you know, like they were hunters. Our ancestors like knew they had to kill, which is not even. True. It's not even remotely true in any but form not, of historical, like, anthropological, or biological know, sense. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like bigots in real life don't understand that either. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm not gonna harp on that too much. But I'm like, yeah, that's not how society actually worked but um he's trying to get them all to shoot targets we find out that jordan is extremely good mm-hmm. and like they even have a shoot off with um the, ac- the athletics director and yeah. jordan like totally smokes him and then kevin bacon's like okay now you need to shoot the dog mm-hmm. and so he like 
He like or no, yeah, he doesn't say it to. Well, he he makes the theater asking somebody. He makes the theater kid try to do it. Yeah, yeah. He wants to make the theater kid do it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's like, you need to prove you're a man and kill this dog. You got to be willing to kill. Yeah, and he's like having a mental breakdown, holding this gun, (laughs) looking at this dog, and then Jordan steps in last minute and uh, shoots the dog. Um, and then the dog lays down in the grass and has a nice little nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... I feel like for this movie about, like, empowerment, there's so much more trauma dealt out than healing, in my humble opinion. I've seen a lot of people feel differently about that, where it's more about the healing than the trauma. But to me, I'm like, there's a lot of trauma without... Uh, yeah. And I feel like the healing comes really healing. fast. Like, you'll get a scene of trauma, and then you'll get a scene immediately after where people are like, oh, I accept myself now. It's okay. And yeah. it's just like, there's not much of a transition from point A to point B. It's just like, I'm when sad, trans- but now I transition someone saw should be Instagram. the whole point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so... We can get back to Gabriel. So, okay. Oh. Uh, so Gabe, so uh, the He's jock guy wakes fruit. up. Yeah. <laughs> fruit being the, the important word here. Um, so they he wakes he wakes the jock up and is like, he's like, it doesn't matter if I'm gay or straight. I know what I am. Um, and he's like, what's more important is is how you identify yourself as predator or prey. And it's like, hello? What does that mean? And then you find out that um, uh, he's a plant and um, he kind of lures guys into having sex with him um, in order to, like, catch them in the act and uh, uh, force them into aversion therapy. I have so many problems with Gabriel's character. Um Despite the fact that he is a uh, a cis guy, um, he presents himself as uh, like like the horrible transphobic like trap trope, and I hate it. I hate it so much. Um, like he he is like incredibly effeminate. He's got long hair. Um, he walks with this kind of. Um, feminine gate i guess but then you find out it's all kind of a ploy just to like catch a sinning and uh that really bugs the shit out of me yeah (laughs) and like the aversion therapy is upsetting Mm -hmm. too which i know it's meant to be but they have him like uh tied down to a chair and um they've put these like electric nodes on him and there's a slideshow and every time they show a woman he's fine but every time they show a gay like a guy then like they shock him for um way too long of a time yeah um, in order to torture him into uh uh basically being straight yeah and this is a thing that happens at actual conversion therapy Mm -hmm. camps and so i'm like yes this is a problem we should address but also like it just feels weird in this movie it feels very out of place Mm -hmm. also side note notice 
we have not talked about any kills or murders or because there has been none thus far. This movie is like wait, no, that's not true. They killed the gardener guy. Oh yeah, they, they killed Man uh, Smithers. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was innocently trying to like creep on young women in the security cameras with his collection of dummies, dolls, figurines, you know, what have you. And then they just bash his face into the computer screen, and nobody this notices he's gone. There's no fucking reason for that kill to be in there, and quite honestly, I kind of forgot about it. Um, and it's over I think it was fast. a studio yeah. note. I think they were like, "Hey, we need more kills. no one's died yet." It's like, uh, like honestly, okay. at this point, like, there's not even that much suspense in the movie. Like, the I forgot that this parts, was supposed to be a horror movie up until about an hour into it. Like the the scariest parts are just like the horrors of conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's which, a part where um, uh, Jordan like walks in and and they find like all of these like photographs oh, yeah. of like past campers being the stock photos. Yes, yeah. the stock photos. So I do want to talk the about child the with this he- their head in their feet. <sighs> yeah. So I came like this also confused me. So Jordan finds these pictures, and that's kind of how they realize like, oh, this camp isn't what it seems. Like people are actually being abused here. And then we kind of get the reveal that like Molly is an ally, and like she promises to try to help jordan and mm-hmm. she's like yeah i didn't know what was going on here and she she's also um caught alex trying to get her pills back and hands them over to her with like basically no problem yeah so my idea about this is like wouldn't it be interesting if because okay who keeps photos around of like abused children uh, people so, who uh, like Kevin to look Bacon. at them and, and <laughs> I guess. do things to themselves. So, but my idea was like, wouldn't it make more sense? And I am going to give a little, a little bit of a spoiler here. Molly is a former camper, mm-hmm. so in my opinion, it would have made more sense if Jordan finds either like dealing details about a court case or police files, like maybe molly had because we find out molly was a former camper who was abused Mm -hmm. and so i'm like well wouldn't it make more sense if like maybe she had tried to report the camp and the police brush it under the rug because they you know that's there's a long history of of homophobia and transphobia with the police and like that's a, a better way to get that information to jordan that like oh this camp is abusive and it also explains more of like why didn't Molly go to the police? Like, it just, I feel like, would explain a lot more. My thing is, like, in a movie like this, um, I feel like with the ending that they had in mind, they uh, couldn't be able to do that because showing the police as negligent means that they're doing the wrong thing at the end. Yeah, but, I mean, this is my fix-it. Like, this is my fixed version of, like, you know, yeah, in yeah. my version, the police would get called out, basically. And so we have that going on. We have the shock therapy. Like, at this point, everyone kind of starts learning that, oh, yeah, this camp is not what it seems. Like, there's mm-hmm. some crazy shit going on here. So Jordan and Alex plan to get all the campers out. They're going to steal the bus and escape. Mm-hmm. And um, and then at this point... uh. 
people are getting murdered again. Yeah, the mass killer does show up again. Finally, even though, like, they were uh, not present in literally any of the rest of the movie. Yeah, Um, and so all the camp counselors start getting picked off. Um, Can we talk about the other weird sex scene? Yes, because this is... Oh, I wish you would. So we we have a scene with um with Kim and one of the other counselors and um uh Kim has made like this great pie and she gets told to stay afterwards and uh they start talking and the counselor is like uh really hitting on this teenager um to the point where it's really uncomfortable and uh um later on uh the uh <laughs> the two camp counselors are like trying to have sex i guess they're they they still have their underwear on they're just kind of grinding up against each other yeah. and um they've they've like pulled up these photos of the the campers and are like looking at them while they like grind their junk against each other and uh, it's just very uncomfortable and then they get murdered <laughs> yeah which is, I think, the movie's way of trying to say that the conversion doesn't work. Yes, but, but what same... a way to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a what a way to say that, but also like what a way to like also showcase the trope of like oh, all homophobic people are secretly gay. Like, I kind of and don't forget about a little bit of the predatory gay people trope. Yeah, because that's yeah. in there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that's, uh, like, so many different problems rolled into one thing. So they get killed. Gabriel gets killed. All of these kills are very boring, by the yes. way. It's they very, just kind like, of, like, uh, by the book. slash noise, and then they, like, cut cut away. Um, and it's then... like this movie just kind of forgot that it was supposed to be a slasher film. And then at the end, they're like, oh, yeah, there's another, there's a killer. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a studio note, honestly. I feel like the whole the whole point of like the movie was just kind of a a a side like, oh, you should make this a slasher movie. That would be cool. He's like, okay, fine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So we get the we get the reveal. So um, uh, Kim and Veronica have like just finished doing colonel angus on uh on the dock and so they're like are uh they're like trying to sneak into the mess hall to like go get like some snacks and they walk in and there's a bunch of bodies like lined up and so they um they uh go and like report it and uh everyone is like gathered outside the mess hall and kevin bacon is like nobody's allowed to leave and uh no one's allowed to have a gun even though we have like a billion of them and uh, he, like, turns around to his wife and hands her the keys and says, go get guns for you and me and nobody else. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's that's happening. So she split off from the group and then you find her dead later. Which, I don't even think they show how she dies. She's just dead. If they She's do, just dead in a closet. It. Yeah. In a closet. Oh, I get wow, it. original. <laughs> So let's talk about the reveal, which I think at this point was, like, extremely obvious. Mm-hmm. I, yes, Molly is the killer, because she was a traumatized mm. former camper who has come back for revenge. Um, 
I would have loved a movie just about her. Mm-hmm. Her real name is Angie. Yes, which her real name is Angie. Um, hilarious they would use that name. Yeah. You know. Derogatory. How um, dare how dare you put Angela's name in your mouth? <laughs> so at this point, like we get you know she's confronting Kevin Bacon, Jordan's there, and there's been this whole thread about like Kevin Bacon being like, You're a killer, Jordan, you need to be you need to be a man yeah like like, which is weird because we already know that they know that their birth gender is female because they make a point of it which in a way somehow the like them trying to like force this like manliness on them somehow like comes back and actually has the opposite effect of what um, most non-binary people in real life are seen as, which is being uh, docile and feminine and, like, kind of woman light, you know? Yeah. I mean... And <sighs> it, it just bugs the shit out of me how they, they were like, we're going to try to be progressive with this, and then uh, just, like, totally did the opposite of what actual trans politics are in real life. I don't know. I it's just another decision I'm confused by. Yeah. So we have a scene where Angie's giving Jordan the option, like, yes, you can kill Kevin Bacon. You can help me, and we can go revenge. do this at all other kinds of uh, conversion camps. Which, if it were me, I'd be like, hell fucking yeah, let's go blow up a camp. Um. Yeah. So Jordan decides not to, and. Then Angie just kills Kevin Bacon by impaling him on a rhino horn because he has all these animal heads in his office. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a decent death, death by rhino horn. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get an epilogue where Angie's Angie's taken away by the police. Who calls the police? Like that is the most unrealistic part of the story to me. I'm like, what? I'm like, why would any sure, of these? I'm pretty sure that Jordan is the one that called the police. But I could, I could be totally wrong about that. But it's like, why did any of these people call the police? Like, and this is my, like, this is my big gripe with the ending. So I am not mad that Jordan chose not to kill. I am. Um, And uh, I really wish that Jordan had just fucking murdered everybody. Um, Also because, like, that's kind of the point of a horror movie. Like... Especially, like, one that has, like, this kind of, uh, like, through line of bad things are happening to people and, you know, it's not their, like, it's just happening to them and there's a chance for them to fight back, therefore they should take it. And, like, the catharsis of watching a horror movie for me is being able to feel that way of, like, watching people get their comeuppance and um, it it's, like... If you don't have that, then, like, you kind of don't have, like, you don't really have a horror movie, especially when uh, the person that's doing all the murdering, yes, has been affected, but they're not being affected within the the storyline that is being told. We don't get Angie's story at all, except for, like, a little throwaway line, basically. And... Like, we're following Jordan the whole time. Jordan and these other kids are the ones that are having all of this shit done to them, so they should be the ones to be able to exact that revenge. Yeah, it's just confusing. Like, everything about this is just confusing. And, like, 
I think it boils down to respectability politics. Yes. And, like, they're trying to do the opposite of what Sleepaway Camp did. Because, yes, like, on paper, it is a very transphobic movie. The trans woman killer is a bad, or, not bad, it's a, can be a harmful trope. Yes. Um, But also... Sleepaway Camp just kind of rules. I love Angela, Literally. and I kind of like everyone she <laughs> yes. kills in that movie deserves it. So yeah. I'm kind of like she's killing rapists, I... she's killing bullies, she's killing people who kind of just want to use her body. Like so, it's like this movie kind of tries to do the opposite of that, and it feels like in a way they're trying to fix Sleepaway Camp and be like, no, we can be progressive and acceptable, and like we'll make the gay people look good, and like we'll go against these tropes. But, yeah. Like, it, but in denying that, they kind of deny, like, the whole point of a, a horror movie, which is, like, those nasty emotions. It's the escapism. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, the catharsis of watching a horror movie is to acknowledge the parts of yourself that you're not allowed to acknowledge in real life. Um, and from from that standpoint, we have, you know, like, it's fun to watch people die. It is. And, like... I, I want to engage with that part of me because I don't get to feel that usually ever. Yeah. And and I think that's like my caveat. Having, they basically blue-balled us at the end. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think like that's my caveat on Jordan's story. It's like, yeah, like if this was if this was an interpersonal drama, I would be totally on board with Jordan like stepping away from violence. And like if it was like a man versus man story of like okay maybe it's a story about jordan and their relationship with just the camp counselor i'm like yeah that could work Mm -hmm. but this is a horror movie and it's a movie about societal problems and Mm -hmm. like the man versus society and like and so it does feel unsatisfying in that way in a way they kind of like the the recognition of humanity in horror movies is all about that kind of nasty emotion and in in denying that they kind of make jordan a little more robotic and like not not engaging with that human part that most horror films kind of have you sit in and that's kind of where my my rage is at is like in a way that like denying that is also kind of denying you know the other side of humanity in in me and you and everyone else and just being like no i am morally superior i don't have these feelings i don't have these emotions i'm not going to act on them even though that's kind of the whole point of horror movies to me Uh, (laughs) sorry i no you're good big my big tirade i'm not as mad as i thought i would be i feel like i got all of my madness out last night when i was uh sitting awake at 3 a.m being mad (laughs) yeah i don't think i've ever heard you like yell oh i was yelling (laughs) so much last night (laughs) oh my god and i don't think i've heard that from you before oh like i don't know It, it like horror movies are like such like they're my safe space in order to like engage with like like all kinds of weird stuff including like my own brain matter and uh i was very like uh tying myself into this movie even though it was like 
you know, strange and off-putting and, you know, like not, it, it was more disjointed. I, I shouldn't say strange and off-putting. I should say it was uh, disjointed and bland. That's what I should say. Um, uh, it was off-putting to me because it was so bland. Um, but because I um, was like, oh, hey, a character I can relate to, finally, um, and then seeing all of this happen, it's like, I just kind of felt like I was being denied a part of myself, you know? Um, yeah, I will briefly talk a little bit about the ending. Um, so for, I, I can see where on paper they were going with the thing because mm -hmm. they're like, the whole movie is like, okay, all of these characters are like trying to define Jordan for Jordan. And so like, at the end, they're like, no, like, nobody gets to define me. But the problem when they say that is they're like, like, nobody gets to tell me who I am, not him and not you, which conflates Kevin Bacon with Molly as them yeah. having, like, equal viewpoints, which yeah. they just inherently are not. No. <laughs> it's like, the, no, this is, baby. This is a woman who has been traumatized and needs that escape in order to feel better about it. Yeah, and... the woman trying to save you from her trauma is not the same as the man who is traumatizing both of you. Yeah. <laughs> and... Which I think is where I come in hating the ending because it's the trope that I hate the most of, like, quote-unquote villain, antagonist, whatever you want to call them, who, like, on paper is morally correct. Like, conversion therapy, bad. We should stop it. And mm -hmm. this is the one character who is really stopping it, like, actually. And then they go, oh, but you did it too far. You did it too violent, d bad. And that's, like, what they do when, like, this the is... antagonist has too bad a point. It's like, surprise murderer. This Whoops, is a Marvel Daisy, movie Which, again, ending. is, like, propaganda <laughs> to, to stop people from, like, taking ne necessary action mm -hmm. to, to cause change. It's like, uh, it's okay if you disagree with this as long as you don't do anything about it. Yeah, and I like, feel like... that's kind of what happens at the end. I feel like the worst part of that is that they... They have Angie being taken away by the police, like actually physically See, that's showing what got me the most upset. I'm like, yeah. why the hell did they call the police? Like, you can, you're welcome to disagree with this bitch. Like, I think that's fine character choice for Jordan, but why would you call the police on her? Like, just let her go. Yeah. Like, my my thing is like they showed basically like this extremist woman who is like taking her trauma into her own hands is being separated from the group because that's unsavory and that's not how everyone else thinks and it's like uh no actually i kind of side with her and i i would also like to kill please um it's just it it like they're it's just it makes me mad it it makes me mad <laughs> It's like, I got my rage out, wait. Uh, yeah, like, just <laughs> thinking it. about it, it's like, the the queer community ha as a whole is not about separating people. Like, we have been trying to fight back against, like, that kind of thing for a really long time, in that, yes, we are all different in our experiences, but we are all facing practically the same thing, and your trauma and my trauma are tied within the same kind of idea from other people and having her be like you know a, you know a killer and wanting to exact revenge i feel like that should be embraced because i know where you're coming from but 
you know, I know where you're coming from, but you're going too far. So we're just going to like put you in jail and, and leave you there because you're not actually a part of us because you're, you're acting too extreme for us. Like also let's be real. Like the police would have arrested every single one of those kids. Yeah. Like they would have showed up and not asked any questions and just been like, well, you're all going to jail. Because the like the police just historically are not friends of queer people. No, not at all. Yeah, they let they let Jordan back out of the cabin, and I'm like, uh, no, you're you're on the ground right now. They're not just letting yeah. you walk out of there. Yeah, there's no, a there's was, a man hanging from a rhino. It, this is a very centrist <sighs> movie, and like the it's like that we're gonna like do all this shit to you but like you know it's my right because that's the way i feel and i'm not gonna fight back against you because it would be morally wrong for me to do anything about it and i hate it i hate it so much it makes me um want to bite people until they bleed um you know what this is actually giving me vibes of that i just now thought about and I, I know it's a bit of a stretch but bear with me mm-hmm. it reminded me of the la vie scene in rent where they're just kind of saying things, but they're not really talking about like the issues that the queer community is facing. I have like not it seen feels the same thing as the in years, so I I don't really know what point of reference that you're making. Well, it's more like so the rent is heralded as one of this, and it is a very important piece of art in terms of the queer community that there are gay characters, there are trans characters, and it matters that it exists and. But in terms of representing what the queer community was going through in the 1980s, it is very surface level. Like, it's very... This is more a point of a Lindsay Ellis video of not talking about the protests that were going on, the the ways that the queer community fought back, the ways that the queer community rallied around each other. And it's more just kind of trying to be palatable to all audiences Mm -hmm. and in that regard not really doing service to anyone and i feel like that's also the problem with this movie is that they're trying to appeal to a wider audience and show that hey trans people and gay people and all kinds of queer people are okay and they totally in doing so miss the mark of like literally the whole point of the genre that they're trying to shoehorn this movie into and kind of the point of how how trans people feel specifically about what is being done to them so logan i want to hear your thoughts on the movie and especially like within the (laughs) context of like having seen a lot of trans horror films Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I will do my best not to go on a six-hour tangent, but I make Please no do. Yeah. Please go on a six-hour <laughs> tangent. Six-hour six tangent. Six-hour tangent. This is going to be a long episode. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Strap in. Um, so, my seatbelt is on. Let's get into the train wreck. Okay, so this... I'm going to start with, like, my pet issue. So mm-hmm. this movie, I think, was announced in 2019... And then the year before that, Silas Howard, who is this trans director, signs on to what is effectively the same script by different people. It is another conversion therapy horror film. Mm-hmm. And like, signed on 2018. And the only plot details we have are that it's conversion therapy horror starring like a trans guy. 
and there have been no updates on that film since 2018. Hmm. Compare that to this film, which was announced in 2019 or 2020 and then came out in 2022. I feel crazy because I am convinced that the Silas Howard film is like the better version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like, mm-hmm. I feel that there is a version of this film that works. It's just not the version we have. I think mm-hmm. to like age these kids down so that these aren't adults who could leave it. These aren't Riverdale time. characters. <laughs> like half of them are like, Oh yeah, I'm here for this. I'm here for this. I'm like, okay. So you leave. Yeah. You, you go. Like <laughs> you don't uh, have to be here. If it sucks, hit the bricks. Yeah. Um, but even just in the sense of like dealing with trans identity, like I have my little list pulled up here, and I think there are only really three like feature length films that have a non-binary character in them before this. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's Someone Inside Your House, which came out the year before this for Netflix, which I will put my rant on that in a bin to the corner. Um, That's one there... that I haven't seen, but it was done by the same guy that did Creep, and I kind of want to watch it because I loved Creep. But it... <laughs> seeing your opinions on it has uh, made me kind of uh, like hesitate to watch it because I don't want my opinion of this man to change, you know? <laughs> it's not good source material okay and so i'll I'll be so quick with this i promise so in the original book the character is a trans guy Mm -hmm. and the way this information is conveyed to the reader is that the narrator dead names him and explains what a trans guy is in very written by a cis woman terms Mm. and there was like discourse about this and the author was like oh whoops my bad and then when the film came out, the character was changed to gender fluid and the dead naming is still there, except it's another character like giving a speech to an auditorium about how like this character inspires her because they're not a boy or a girl. They're something better. And it. Oh, <laughs> so it's got the same problem that this movie has. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Uh, there's also the Carmilla movie, which is like, I think that was a web series that was yes. popular on Tumblr. That was a web series that a former friend of ours was obsessed with. Um, and I was made to sit and watch most of it with her. Um, I had watched none of it before I watched the film. I think the movie's okay. <laughs> the web series was done pretty well for the low the low budget that it had, but I do not know anything about the movie. I didn't even know that there was a movie. I want to say it came out like after the heyday of the series, so that, I'm that sure tracks. It did. Um, and then there's also Seed of Chucky, and that is pretty much the extent of like non-binary. Seed of kind of whips ass. I'll be honest. <laughs> out there of this like, lineup, it fucks so hard. Yeah, there is like one non-binary character in the movie Upgrade, but they only get like one yes. scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. but I remember seeing that in the theater and being like, hell yeah. Because that was, I think, the first time I had ever seen a non-binary person in a movie before. Mm-hmm. And then um, their characters aren't non-binary, but in Freaky, the two best friends are both played by non-binary actors. Yes. Oh, yeah. I liked I that, that movie. <laughs> um, I, I, yes. Yeah, it's a fun one. We've talked about Hellfest before, and, like, Bex Taylor-Klaus is a non-binary oh, yep. actor. But, like... <laughs> They are very clearly playing a straight woman in that movie. And it's it's, it's so very jarring funny because they are they present so like 
androgynous, like, butch. The, it, I, it's, it's very strange to me. <laughs> it would have made more sense if that character was trans mask and gay, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we can't have shit here. <laughs> we can't have shit in Detroit. Yeah. Um. And um, Amendla <laughs> is non-binary, and we just watched Body Bodies, 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 Bodies. Yes. Yes. Okay. Bodies, so, Bodies, Bodies was a fun one. It was fun. Um, the Yeah, it's like the curse of being a trans horror film enjoyer is like, uh, the trans women always just get stereotyped as like, evil, killer, rrr, and then like, trans men just like don't exist in horror movies they they are always always either non-existent um or portrayed as basically being incredibly dainty which is uh not great which is like like i was saying earlier my problem with this movie is that um as like a non-binary character who we are given the birth gender of um and knowing the like the um, ways in which people will misgender us and hurt us, having this character basically have the opposite effect, it doesn't work within like the ways that our world actually does. And it, in doing so, reinforces these stereotypes that happen in the real world that don't help us in any way in being seen as uh, not women and or uh, basically, you know, who, who we are. You know, yeah, I, it's, it's weird because I think the character is trying to like, he, like Kevin Bacon hears trans and he's like, okay, so like, you're clearly a trans guy then. So I'm going to affirm your binary trans identity. And it's, yeah, it's, it's very strange. strange. <laughs> Like, I don't know why Kevin Bacon would uh, try and affirm Jordan's uh, trans identity and not Alex's. Um, The whole thing just doesn't make any sense, especially when you have more than one trans character um, and you have one that has, like, all of these transphobic things being forced onto them. And then the other one just kind of gets to not really do a whole lot. Um, and the the uh, the gender roles that are being forced upon them are ones that they kind of already uh, enjoy and kind of engage with I mean, in I prior. Say but... that. I mean, I think that the act of, like, forcing any gender roles upon Jordan is, like, still wrong. Cause, like, it, that's true. They chose, you know, they're non-binary, they're not a trans man. And yeah. So... That is a little bit fucked up, but it, yeah, it is weird. Like yeah. just any, all of Kevin Bacon's motivations in this movie, I just do not understand. Yeah, but... he's as as a, a a transphobic villain, all of his behavior is fucking baffling to me. <laughs> and like, ugh. I hated this movie. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that <laughs> I, I hated this movie? I had an inkling. Yeah. <laughs> so how? How does this stack up against other trans horror films? What do you think the legacy of this film will be, if any, (laughs) among the pantheon of trans horror? It's funny because I 
I do hate this film, but in a way that I like there are films that I hate that like I cannot stomach the thought of. And there are films that I hate that I kind of want to just like autopsy on a table. Like, why is this the way that it is? Because like this is written and directed by a man who was nominated for three Oscars. Like, I refuse to believe that this is what he thinks a passable movie looks like. Yeah. I feel it's, like it, sorry, go ahead. Very good. Oh, I was gonna say I feel like I feel like he's both behind the behind the times and not really up to date with how people view um uh the queer community as a whole today and how queer people engage with certain things and also um the I feel like there was a lot of studio meddling and it was probably because of the thing that you mentioned prior of there being like another movie in the works like that. Yeah, and I I don't know, nobody's talked about if there were studio notes or not. I'm pulling on articles I read like a year ago, so I might get a few things wrong. But I do know that Theo Germain like, helped edit the script a little bit in the regard of like making things sound better for like, this is how people would actually talk about non-binary identity and transness and like, here's how this line should go. So I know that they did have input on that. But otherwise, the only thing I've ever heard, what's his name? John Logan. <laughs> the only thing I've ever heard John Logan say about this film is that this was like his passion project because he didn't like the way that like gay people showed up in horror films previously. So he wanted to like, quote, do it right, basically, hmm. which is like fascinating if... Like I I understand where he's coming (laughs) from, but also at the same time, totally like completely missed the mark on on. Yeah, just uh, like an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, when you like, I don't know at what point you guys realized that nobody was going to get hurt in this movie, but like once that realization hits, it's just. I feel like like... it was about the time (laughs) that the pink music musical number started up. (laughs) Um. Yeah, like this this movie would have been so much better had they like actually kind of indulged in some of the the um quote unquote bad gay horror tropes like i i'm fine with a a trans killer like like a lot of people actually like really like celebrate and enjoy that like if you just go on tumblr and type in like horror or dead by daylight there are like so many people like that just like love that kind of thing and uh just that's like the point of a horror movie though is like you know like going back to like basic like horror film theory is like the clever thing like you know, you you watch a horror movie in order to engage with the killer, and then you also watch the horror movie to engage with the revenge of getting back at the killer. Like that's that's kind of the whole point. Like, and you get you get all of this stuff being done to these gay characters, these queer characters, these trans characters, the ones that you uh are like set up to sympathize with and then you don't get the satisfaction of seeing them be able to enact this uh yeah symbolic emotional like revenge on the people who harm them uh no this that 
I think that's why there's been such a turnaround on Sleepaway Camp is that it's like, mm-hmm. here is a trans character who the world is shitting on her and she like makes them regret it. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, like that is what we want. And that's like, like every trans person, you know, right now is really angry. Like, let us uh-huh. have our angry slasher. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. The the amount of anger that I've had every time I open Twitter, uh, it rises like just about, uh, I would say, two times more than the last time. Um, every time I open the app just to like check my notifications because there's always fucking something. Um, it's so, fun. Hannah, what were you saying? Oh, um, I was just saying that I do think Glee is actually a very apt comparison because I think this mm-hmm. movie makes a mistake the same way Glee makes the mistake of it's trying to address every problem at the same time and not really having the time or specificity to really deal with any of it, if that makes sense. And I think it also fails in that it seems to offer solutions rather than examinations of feelings because that's when I think the movie is at its best when it's just like asking these questions and letting these characters feel what they're feeling Mm -hmm. rather than like okay so you've said that you feel bad time to sing a pink song to make you feel better it's like no you don't need that or at the end of the The movie when they're like okay so we've stopped the murderer and now it's time to call the police because that's the solution to the problem and now everything is fixed and I'm like I don't know that doesn't feel genuine (laughs) And now we so get that's, to go that's my... Yep. To our abusive family. I, which is why I can be emancipated and be the person I've always wanted to be. It's not like I just had this huge trauma and watched a whole bunch of people die. Um, I'm just going to be the person that I've always wanted to be. Um, yeah, so play, I pretty, love... Pretty <laughs> oh my god, when it came back, I almost fucking died. Oh my god. <laughs> but not in a fun way. Enough- but I didn't uh, die because this. They only had enough in the budget for one pop song. <laughs> mm-hmm. They should have played. But uh, yes, um, Kelly Clarkson's "What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger." <laughs> yes. They should have played um, the equal rights song from Pop Star Never Stop. No, Never that Stop. would be so <laughs> fucking funny. That would have been so funny if they put that in there because at least then they would have a sense of like <laughs> irony and like a sense of humor with like the stupid ass shit that they do in this movie. But Macklemore, same love. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, Rolling Stone just put yes. out a, a list of uh, the 50 uh, most gay songs and um, just about <laughs> every single a uh, stupid corporate uh, woman empowerment song was on there for no reason. Um, Miley Cyrus's "The Climb" from the Hannah Montana movie was on there. Um, <laughs> that one, I can't. Fans. I can't tell you what the I fucking like reasoning for this is. Um, they should have put Judas Priest on there, and I'm very angry that so many straight women ended up on there just because they have the uh, quote unquote gay feel to them, which. Um, well, Miley's not straight. Well, yeah, but like they're like Kelly Clarkson and like a bunch of other like straight fair, women. Fair. That's that yeah, list. your point, your overall point is correct. Yeah, yes. my bad. Um it, it's just um the way the way that uh the the sanitization of uh queer people as as a whole has just totally rotted people's minds, I think. It's like it is definitely giving off like 
very desperate vibes of like, oh, please accept us. We're not a threat, we promise. Mm -hmm. And like, at this point, uh, I understand that there are just people in this world I cannot appeal to. And Mm -hmm. no amount of being nice is going to make them see me as a human being. Mm -hmm. And like, at at this point, you know, like the the Club Q shooting happened a few months ago in our town. The killer got sentenced this week. Mm -hmm. And so it's been all over the headlines again. And like, I don't know, to me, it just reinforces, like, oh, yeah, the, the shit's gonna keep happening, no mm-hmm. matter how nice we act. So, like, there's that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was writing today just, like, like, not really about this, but just kind of, like, how we understand transness in film so like trans actors playing characters that aren't necessarily defined as trans and like i was su- reading your subsec <laughs> earlier before we started recording yes that whole spiel which i'm still not i i think i sound like the charlie kelly red like red string meme throughout yeah, that whole thing that. yeah um, i, I kind of get where you're going with that if you want to like explain it a little bit just for like like yeah. people who haven't read it uh, so pretty much just like it started with Evil Dead Rise and kind of continued with Talk to Me, which is coming out, I think, next month, where they both have these transmasculine actors and like prominent roles. And the characters themselves are literally never referred to with a pronoun. Like they're like never gendered in the film. And the filmmakers have like not really said if the characters are trans or not. But there's kind of been like a debate online where it's like, well, is this if this person is played by a trans actor, do we understand them as trans? Or does the character themselves have to be like identified in the text? And so I've I've been seeing a lot more of that recently where there's a lot of trans actors, like more than there usually is, but there really isn't as much of an increase in like trans characters, mm-hmm. which I find super frustrating because I'm like, we didn't already blow through all of the stories you can tell with trans people like there are still yeah. a lot of like dynamics and just like shit that can be explored that i feel like we're not exploring because of this current cultural moment where we're yeah. like no we need to like make sure that trans people look friendly and nice and see we're just like yeah. you it, it even feels, though like we're not <laughs> yeah it feels kind of like you can be here but you can't say anything because it makes us uncomfortable yeah that's kind of what it feels like to me. I'm just like, we, like, our stories can be about gender. Like, I, I draw the difference between being defined by gender versus being informed by it. Mm-hmm. Because I think that is, like, the line that films prior to, like... Yeah. They slash them included, where, like, characters are defined by either their gender or their transness or, like, their quirk versus, like... Oh, I can't think of a good film off the top of my head. Um, anything Alice McKay has done where, like, characters are trans and queer and that informs them, but that's, like, not all that they are. Yeah. I feel like we're, more than anything, like, not in, like, live action horror or, like, anything else, but, like, we're mostly getting our representation where we are, like, the characters are informed by transness from cartoons. Yeah. Which is... Which is great, but also uh, very sad that um, kids' media is, like, blowing past literally everything else. Honestly, uh, really baffling that we've gotten two 
trans male cartoon characters, mm-hmm. I think in the same year with um yeah. Dead End Park I, and Wendell and Wild. I'm like, okay, yeah. we literally had no textually identified trans men in film. And mm-hmm. then the same year we get like two. I'm like, what? Yeah. Where? Why? What? <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I'm welcome. I love being showered with uh, fun surprise representation. It's great. More, please. <laughs> yes. I would I would like more and more that also understands the representation within the genre and also the representation uh within how they portray the characters. Um yeah. Not just kind of as a vessel for um a stereotype. Um which most of, most of the characters in this movie, we can't even remember their names for the most part, but we know their stereotypes because their uh, gay stereotypes that have existed for forever. <laughs> so, uh, for the sake of Hannah, our, our wonderful <laughs> friend on the East Coast, I am going to cut us off here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us could easily keep talking about this movie for another hour. Yeah. But I don't want to keep you up too late, Absolutely. Hannah. Hannah, so, you're a trooper. Listen. Yes. Oh, it's fine. Listen, as the only... You know, I... I I'm in love with this conversation and I hate to, I, I agree with Marty in that I think this movie did a lot wrong, but I'm still kind of glad it exists because it's at least causing a conversation mm-hmm. yeah. and I, I, I am enjoying the conversation that is being had. I don't have to like the thing we're having a conversation about, but I can appreciate that at least it's a jumping off point for hopefully more um, trans creators to make something better in the future um, based on the failures of movies like this, you know? Sometimes the best thing you can be is a hater. <laughs> In a world where Robert Hiltzik won't die and won't let people <laughs> remake Sleepaway Camp, this is not technically the worst Sleepaway Camp sequel. Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, true. God. So, Logan, uh, do you have anything that you would like to promote while you were here? Um, pretty much any social media I'm on is like at trans horrors. Um, I have a Patreon where I watch two movies a month related to trans horror, like either a film that I'm trying to either add or disqualify from the canon or a film that features a trans actor and that I try to like look at through a trans lens. That one is Patreon slash trans horror singular. And then I am also hopefully in the early stages of maybe having a book with trans horror done no promises everything's very yes. early stage but i okay you can do I, it. <laughs> i'm excited about the potential crossed. i'm manifesting mm-hmm. those yes i pre-order in that shit right now take my money i had a zoom meeting with a top five publisher this week and that still does not feel real to me that's so cool Ooh, that i'm so awesome. happy for you Thank you. I, Fuck I, yes, I, congratulations. Thank you. I hope I have more concrete news soon. But trans horror things are always going. It's just a matter of finding them. Hell yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, by the way. Thank you for being down for this yeah. long yes. conversation. Thank you for agreeing to let me torture you with this film. You are officially the third group of people I've done this to. <laughs> I, I'm Again, I... Glad. And, you know, as boring as it was, I still kind of found it interesting in how weirdly boring it was. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Does that make sense? so fascinating. We'll never listen to Pink the same way again. 
No, I won't. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm just going to be thinking about the fabricated uh, reality in which somebody threw ashes at her for putting this song in the movie. Or actually, well, and kind of, I, it probably wasn't. Song in the yeah, movie. I was about to say, I don't think she had anything to do with it. She just got a check in the mail. Although, yeah, yeah. she went up to Did the you ever see that and... press conference? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was like, she went up to the filmmakers and demanded to have her song in this movie. I am the quintessential gay ally. No. <laughs> well, did you ever see, um, there was a press conference she did, I think for, like, an LGBTQ rights event back in the days where, like, they were trying to do the thing where it's like, it doesn't matter who you are, let's all just coexist, whatever. And she, like, said, hello, my name's Alicia, I'm a Pisces. I'm gay, and then the crowd like starts screaming, and then she goes, "Actually, I'm not." <laughs> yeah, and it's just kind they of count. like she's like, "I want to live in a world where you can just say that, and it's okay. It's the same as saying you're a Pisces." And again, different time for the time yeah. she said that. Pretty good ally. Nowadays, it's really cringe, mom. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate Pink. I, I will, I will put it out there. I like Pink's music. I appreciate her. Um, oh, I fucking love her. She's on my we, wall. We love cringe, mom. Mm-hmm. But this this movie is definitely gonna give me war flashbacks every time I hear that song now. I'm gonna walk into Target and it's gonna be playing, and I'm just gonna like just have like a moment in which I just <laughs> topple a shelf. So, for those of us who want to keep up with Chainsaw Matinee, you can find us on Twitter at Chainsaw Matinee. We're also Chainsaw Matinee on TikTok, mm-hmm. and we have a Patreon. We're trying to get enough money to hire an editor yes. so that I don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. But So if you want to throw some money our way. It's time consuming and exhausting. Give Kai a break. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yes, I get to listen please. to our conversations yes. back again. But I also do have a full-time job and I'm going back to school. Yeah. So, so we kind of we <laughs> need that extra person. Yeah, so uh, fingers crossed. Hopefully that happens one day. As always, thank you for listening. It's still Pride Month. Give us money. Yes. Um, Thank you to Logan again for joining us. Yes. And Logan. Happy Pride, everyone. (laughs) When this episode comes out, it will be July. But you know what? Pride is all year. Yeah. Be who you are 24-7. You're fucking perfect to me. (laughs) (laughs) That was bad. Mm -hmm.